Hi everyone, I am Gabby Kusters, Head of Global Marketing at Estomar, and I'm here in Mexico City for our 25th Latin American Conference with Patricia Fujisawa, Senior Market Research Manager at Skim Group. Welcome. Thank you, Gandhi. Very happy to be here. Very happy to talk to you in person, really. Yeah. Me too, after that. Very excited. And excited to give this interview to share a little bit of uh, my knowledge and contribute. And um, yes. Great. So you just spoke. Yes, I just spoke a first speech in the morning. Yes, I saw that. I saw that. Very well received. That's great. It was very well received. It was full of questions from the audience. Which, by the way, those of you followers at home, you will be able to see it with a live stream, the full session, including the questions that you got. Yes, it was very nice. Like, I was expecting some questions. Yeah. But... I like the fact that people really raise some questions. We have some questions in the backup, you know, if nobody wants to answer any question. But it was not needed. It was not needed to use, which is great because it means that people were really engaged. So yeah. it makes me feel very happy because I was talking about a topic that, if you mentioned, could be a little bit boring, not mm. the most happy topic ever. Yeah. But it's an important topic. So I was very happy that people had questions yeah. and I was able to answer them. So let's talk about your topic. Can you give us a little bit of insight of what you covered and how important it is for the industry and, of course, for our market that we're in right now? Sure, yeah. Uh, what I'm talking about in my presentation was about the strategies to ease the impact of inflation in Latin America. So we go through three steps. Uh, we try to make it like easy and simple. Uh, so three steps to that goes through strategies that helps the companies and the business to pass through this moment of uh, changes. So economical changes, crisis and price changes that yeah. impacts like everybody. So it's not like the market industry, but us as our regular consumers that we go to the supermarket, we face the effect of inflation. So when we go and we go there to purchase something, like a, a basic thing, we see the difference in the prices and we see the difference in our salary. So those were some strategies to help companies to pass through this moment. Mm -hmm. So we summarize it in three steps. Yeah. The first steps was to understand the consumer behavior, especially in this moment of uh, drastic changes. So the behavior, the habitual behavior of the consumers, they're forced to change it because they are in a environment mm -hmm. there has a lot of changes so it's really important to understand their yeah. habits and how they change their habits the second step is to use uh, strategies of uh, market research so inside those strategies we talk about like the brand positioning we talked about price elasticities price indexes and different types of strategies like promotion mm -hmm. uh, different types of uh, packages and uh, also innovations. So those were some strategies inside the market research that can also be used. And another important thing that was the third step, the third step that is to have uh, the, all the members uh, inside the company and the members that are relevant to the brand engage on those strategies. So sometimes what we see that we have different opinions and different objectives inside the brand and inside the company. So in those situations, in a very uh, sensitive situation, it's very important that 
everybody on the team are engaged and are aligned because the important decision and the strategic decision needs to be made. So that was the third step. So it was a very brief summary, but yes, that was the main idea of the of the presentation. That's very interesting, especially the first step where we talk about consumer behavior and the habits that have been changing. Because um, I've been listening a lot of uh, to a lot of podcasts, and that is a very prominent theme: the change in behavior from the pre-pandemic area to where we are now. To the simplest things like going to the restaurant more often than we used to do before, and now you cook at home because things are so expensive. You don't have those um, the means to fund those little pleasures that we used to have in the past. And it's important for companies, especially brands, to keep up with those changes so that they can stay ahead of the game. So that's exactly yeah and also where the consumers purchase so as you're mentioning like the pre-pandemic and the post-pandemic mm-hmm. what we see that increasing of people purchasing online so also the behavior of uh, people when they go to the supermarket mm-hmm. or when they go to the store to the physical store and they see the products there is different when they purchase online when they purchase online, they can easily compare between different retails, between different options, between different prices. So the way that they purchase is different. So the behavior is also different. So this is was also something that the companies needed to take into account. Like, okay, my strategy in an online store needed to be the same strategy as an offline store. Definitely not. So it's very important because the, be- the consumer is the same. Yeah. But then the way that they behave in different channels is different. No, of course, of course. And I also think that with what you mentioned, where we're heading is really the digital world. And a lot of retailers, for example, are shutting down their physical sto- stores because they see that they cannot compete with their online price making. And uh, in Brazil, uh, I live in Brazil, and what I saw like that during the pandemic, a lot of stores, they were not prepared, a lot of brands, they're not prepared to this online uh, mm-hmm. purchase. So they needed to adapt it super quickly and fast yeah. to a way of do business that they were thinking to have it in the future, but then the future arrived like, okay, the future is now. Yeah. Now you need to have an online store. So then after all of that, trying to setting up now, the companies are really thinking like, hey, this is a model of business that will continue mm-hmm. and they're paying more attention in those type of things. And now we have different channels, online, offline, different ways to purchase, like omni-channel. Yeah. As inflation on top of it, what we're going to do, how we're going to behave. It's it's a very, it's very difficult, yeah. but it's possible to uh, think and create like a a plan, a robust plan with uh, right data, with important uh, people and discussions that will really help like them to really navigate in this. Very interesting. In step two, you talk about elasticity. Yeah. And that is not a term that a lot of people understand. Uh, talk to us about what it means to implement that within your strategy. The elasticities, what we're talking like price elasticities is really like how much a product can support of a price increase without losing their consumers. Mm-hmm. So for example, I have this mug here and uh, this mug costs uh, 10 reais, mm-hmm. 10 dollars. Mm-hmm. Or euros. 100 pesos. Yeah. Or euros. Uh, then if we change the price of this mug mm-hmm. for 15 dollars or 15 reais, would I still be able to pay? And I said, yes, I'll still be able to pay. Mm-hmm. 
So then I see that from 10 to 15, this product is not very elastic because I still, people are still willing to purchase this product mm -hmm. for a little bit more expensive price. Now, if this mug uh, prices now is like 25, we'll still be able to pay. They was like, yeah, no, I don't think so. I think it's too expensive. I will go to the other mug that is 20 reais. Mm -hmm. I'm still gonna buy. So then we see that at 25, this, this product is more sensitive to prices and people are switching. Mm -hmm. So that's the concept of price elasticity. So we see if a product is more elastic, how we say it means that any price change in this product might cause a loss in this product share. Mm -hmm. So with the willingness of people to purchase this mm -hmm. product. And if a product is less elastic, then I can increase or companies can increase price because this product can support a little bit more of a price increase. Yeah, that's super interesting. And also that brings me to my all favorite comment that marketing and research are always together. Because when you talk about elasticity and whether you can shift the price or not, that's also attributed to the value that the consumer they hold with that product. Exactly. And then people are more really to pay to a specific benefit. Of course. Uh, so then they say, okay, this product offer me a benefit that I'm searching for. And even though it's more expensive than this other product that I don't know, it seems that it's the same, but don't have this specific benefit. I'm not going to buy this product, even though it's cheaper because I'm searching for yeah. this specific. So it's indeed, and it's also like how the brand is perceived. So, okay, have this product, they offer the same thing. But then I have a brand that is well known, that I saw an advertising, that I see mm -hmm. an influencer using, or I don't know, I see like in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. So people are also willing to pay because the brand has a value yeah. that they recognize. So there's yeah. a lot of things that influence in the purchase decision, not only pricing, no. but as you mentioned, like benefits, then brand value. So it's a, it's a complex work. And it's a complex, but yet very interesting world. Yes, indeed. Very, very interesting. But let's talk about data, which is of everyone's talking about data within this past two days. Whether do we have too much data? Are we doing enough of the data that we have? But I want to touch base on historical data versus predictive data, because it's also a topic that's been discussed here today. What are your views? What do you see based yeah, on those? I think both data, they are important. And the historical data give us an idea of what happened in the past. So what are the products that people purchase at the prices, how much products. So it gives an idea what happened in the past and how people purchase in the past. Uh, and the predictive data, it tells about how people will behave or are willing to behave in a scenario that we are putting them. So it could be a scenario that we have a different product, mm -hmm. a scenario where the prices are different, a scenario that I'm testing a different type of promotion. Mm -hmm. So it's like an imaginary scenario, but that can happen in the future. So yeah. this is the predictive data. If we have those two data, the historical data and the predictive data, and if we merge then we create like a, a super good database because we have like information from the past and information from the future for you to take the decisions no. in the present. But then you really covering everything. So we're really using all the information that we have. And nowadays we have a lot of information. Yeah. So you can have data from a lot of different sources, but then you need to know how can I 
take the best from each data and how can I combine those data to give me like a good uh, path and to where should I go or to where my decisions to, should aim for. So that's the, that's the difference between like the historical data and the predictive data. And they can walk like separately. Yeah. But when we put them together, like it's where we get like the best from both of the data. Yeah. In your experience working for Skim and being involved in different markets with different brands, do you see a preference in the usage of either predictive or historical data? when you're working with clients? Yeah, at Skin, we use way much more predictive data okay. because yes, we test uh, different things, we test innovation, we tested scenarios that are like potential scenarios for the brands to use or to deal in the future. Uh, but we use the past data to model our predictive data. Okay. Because that's, that makes like our model more close to the reality. Because in a model, you have a scenario that the consumers, they were, they never face it in their reality sometimes, uh, because we're testing new product. Yeah. So we needed to, okay, this, in this predictive scenario, yeah. how we can make it closer to the scenario, to the real scenario that we have. So that's why it's important to Got it. use the historical data because then we say, okay, this is what happened in the real life. So let's connect both of them together. So it really depends of what is the objective and what uh, the companies or the brand are trying to achieve. So both of data, they are important and they can provide uh, very insightful things. Mm -hmm. But it really will depend on what is the objective yeah, of what the brand Definitely. Definitely. Figure it out. Now, speaking of predictive data, I want to talk about trends and where you see the industry going, or if you've noticed something within the past few months, years that you can see that's going to revolutionize in the future. What is your opinion on that? Yeah, I think now we see something that it's already, we're already leaving these, which is like the mobile. Mm. So before, really before we do the research, the interview in person, we still do that. Now we do most of the, our research online through a computer, yeah. but then now the research are adapted to the mobile because people are with the mobile like 24 hours a day. Mm. So that was something that is like the research needs to be part of people's life. So it needs to make people's life easier and needs to be part of it because if they need to stop and think about a moment, then yes, they're not going to do this. So I think this is something like how we integrate the research yeah. in the in people's life and mobile, it's something that is like, it's there. So this is something that is already happening. Good. And when we think about new technologies, like the metaverse, it's still very, uh, like a um, question mark for everybody. But what I see now and what we are testing inside the skin is we have like ChatGPT, that is like you ask us anything for ChatGPT. And one thing is that what we try is to use ChatGPT GPT to help us in making the process of analyzing mm -hmm. uh, open ends or analyzing some data yeah. to make it faster. But ChatGPT it's a machine. So True. we deal with humans. So the human always needs to be there. So we are using the tool to help us to make the process faster. Mm -hmm. 
but we are not getting rid of the human brain there because we need the human capacity to be there and to judge. So I think those new trains, it will be very useful to make our life easier, mm -hmm. to make things faster, so to speed up some of the process. Yeah. And that's where we need to integrate like the human work with the machine and like, okay, ChatGPT, I'm the one, these people anymore. ChatGPT will work for me. So that's not the idea. So I think that's the, the main the importance of how I'm going to integrate those new technologies with the work that we do yeah. and with the people, because we work for people, we deal with Definitely. persons. Yes. It's not just the machine. Exactly. I agree with it a hundred percent. Um, Patricia, thank you. Yeah, it was super nice. Yes, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Patricia Fujisawa, Senior Market Research Manager for Skim Group here in Mexico with us. Thank you, Gab. Yes, thank you. Thank you.